Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's just, there's something beautiful about like taking off at a race at five in the morning and yes. running through these temples. And that's mm-hmm. what you do. You're like running through the temple. <sighs> Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, we're back to finish what we started in the last episode, which is, of course, where to go and when, second half of the year edition. I reintroduced you to Sherry Ott in the last episode. She's been on the show before, but more importantly, she's traveled so freaking much and has so much insight into off the beaten path destinations for each month of the year, which she recently beautifully designed and organized into an ebook called Where to Go and When that you can download for free at her website, ottsworld.com. Um, And we're going through all of the destinations mentioned right here on the show. So if you haven't caught the last episode yet, episode 136, check that out for January through June destination inspiration. And today we're getting into July through December destination ideas ending with a very exciting New Year's idea for the active travelers out there. So once again, as I did in the last episode, I'm going to throw in my two cents here and there about destinations I've experienced in these months throughout our conversation. So get ready for another epic ride because today we are continuing our whirlwind adventure across the globe. There is something for everyone starting in places in our own backyards like gems to be found in Minnesota and Ohio and all the way to the Russian Arctic and so many places in between. So strap in, put on your dreaming goggles. Let's go. Today's episode is supported by Manta Sleep at mantasleep.com. This is a company who believes that having quality sleep is the foundation for everything good that happens in life. Manta Sleep has innovated several different kinds of sleep masks, and these are designed for blackout because they have soft cups that go over your eyes and they're adjustable for custom fit to your face. And because of the design, the masks do not press on your eyes at all. They're made with durable anti-stretch elastics and snag-free material, and they have some brilliant designs, including cool and warm masks. The cool mask has soft, gentle, moldable material that evenly distributes cooling to soothe eyes and sinuses, and the warm mask alleviates stress and dry eyes and is powered by 100% natural steam for relief in as little as three to five minutes. You can use code JUMP10 to save 10% on sleep masks and other sleep accessories at mantasleep.com. And that's M-A-N-T-A, mantasleep.com. 
I, it's only been two days since we last talked and I've been looking forward to this for two days. Just like, <laughs> let's not wait. I want to finish it now. I, <laughs> I want to continue. I love it. It's fun for me. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, yeah. I'm just hoping that it's as fun for everybody else as it is fun for us because I feel like we get to geek out together over this and it's like something we're just not being able to do right now very much, you know? I know. So I appreciate I the energy. <laughs> So, so Sherry, welcome back already. Uh, we have a an exciting conversation to finish today. So, um, so yeah, let's. Uh, let's see. Let's we left us it. in in uh, July. We left right. in July. I know, and you well, know what's which funny? Is now. <laughs> oh, we are. We are in July. Yeah. This is what we should be doing now. This is what we should be doing now instead of. We only well, could. let's not talk about that. <laughs> Instead of everything well, else. Hopefully yeah. next year. Hopefully next year. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. So picking up where we left off. Let's uh, remind July, let's remind everybody oh, yeah. real quick what we're 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 doing July through December <laughs> and we have three topics for or yes, sorry, topics. Three types of trip for every month. And this is coming out of your where to go and when ebook that you guys can download for free at oddsworld.com. Um so we have an epic, an international, yeah. and a U.S.-based trip. So, okay, mm -hmm. July, go. Okay, July, um, epic. So there's an island that very, very few people know of called Wrangell Island. Mm -hmm. And um, very few people go. Uh, it's actually a UNESCO World Nature Heritage Site. And it sits above the Arctic Circle, above Russia, and it is actually a Russian island. Um, wow. So there is a small ship expedition cruise that you can take um, basically from the uh, far east Siberia, uh, you know, the far east part of Russia. And you leave wow. from there and you actually, you know, cruise up through the Bering Strait on the Russian side, which is really interesting. Did you see Sarah Palin's um, house? <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> um, it is technically, I did see Russia and America at the same time, only three wow. miles apart. And Whoa. that only happens in the Bering Strait at the, um, what is it? The I can't think of the islands now. I want to say that it's not the Dolmites. It's the, ah, Sherry, it's. It's too early in the morning, it's, clearly. It's morning and you haven't traveled in like three months. So we're kind of out of, it's okay. I we'll know. Forgive you. I know. I've been to many places. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. Bering Strait <laughs> Islands. And anyway, there are two islands there too. Uh, one is Russian. One is American. Oh, okay. The Diomedes. Diomedes. Uh, there's a, it's called Big, Big Diomede and Little Diomede. Big Diomede is Russia. Little Diomede, I think, is is America. So anyway, you sail in this Russian um, small expedition ship uh, and you go through the Bering Strait all the way up around the north part of Russia, of the continent, and then head up to Wrangell Island, which is all above the Arctic Circle. Obviously, you can only do this in like July and August because that's when the mm. the ice um is gone enough and sometimes you may if you go early enough if you do go in july the chances are you will catch ice but the ship is is um is built for that that's all fine Ooh, that's kind of scary uh, 
Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's like Antarctica. It's like a trip to Antarctica. And and one of the big reasons why you want to do this, besides the fact that no one goes there, um, the wildlife there is amazing. It used to be called like the polar bear den capital of the world or something like that. Um, This is a place to see polar bears for sure. But also it was the island that was the home to the last woolly mammoth to ever walk the earth. And you will see some like tusks and stuff like that laying around. I mean, there's not a tree in sight. It's all tundra. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically went around the whole island. If you are a birder, if you like birds, mm-hmm. I'm not, let me preface this. I'm not a birder at all. Why but not? It's no the way. most amazing. I love it. <laughs> I'm a birder and proud of it. <laughs> I know. Well, Carly's trying to get me into it. but That's because I got her into it. I know. <laughs> I appreciate the birds here. They are so amazing. Have you ever seen bird cliffs, like real densely populated bird cliffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Like nesting yeah, grounds? Is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. this is like on this trip, this was the most birds I've ever seen in my <sighs> life. I mean, it was. Wow. It was disturbing how many yeah. birds there were. And you felt small. You just felt small. You're like, oh, my God, there's this whole life up here that, you know, that humans really aren't a part of at all. It's mm-hmm. oh, it's just a great feeling. Um, mm, so really wow. great for wildlife. You can also go trekking on the island, obviously. So also, if you're kind of a nerd like I am about the Cold War, it's fascinating mm. um, because, you know, you are in this part of, you know, going up through the Bering Strait on that side. Uh, in Russia, you know, there's, it's actually a little bit depressing. There's all kinds of waste left there from the Cold War, but there used to be, you know, um, military bases there for them. Everyone's watching everyone kind of thing, right? And it's just, it's fascinating. So you've got history, wildlife, this truly unique um, place that people don't get to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's awesome. Wow. So Wrangell Island, it's a, it's a really neat alternative like to um, the general Arctic trips that you would take, or even Antarctica, that's a little bit cheaper than, say, going to Antarctica. You won't have penguins, but you will have polar bears. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, yeah. Yeah. And it took about 14 or 15 days. Okay. I think. Wow. I was on the ship. And I I also, you get there either by flying through Moscow over to Anadir, which is on Anadir, Russia, which is on the eastern coast of Russia, mm-hmm. or you can fly from Nome, Alaska yeah. in a little charter oh, God. jet and fly over like for 13 people and fly over the Bering Strait, Ooh. which was also like such a joy for me. You did like, that? Oh, yeah. So you cool. said you like little planes. Yeah. Oh, I do. And this was one where like, I've never taken a small plane like that to say cross continents. You know, this is yeah, one no place kidding. where you can really do that. How about Dateline? Yeah, so it was a really too. flight. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And the dot on this yeah. map is like so far out there. Whoa. It's like the reason yeah. you had to zoom out so much on the on the map is to include yeah. this little dot out there. <laughs> Jeez. That is true. Cool. Yeah. So the only way you're gonna get out there is expedition ship and um, there aren't many that do it. So there's okay. only a few. Um, oh, wow. really, really fun if you like that kind of adventure. Um, let's Amazing. see my, oh, this one, we have them a little bit turned around, but my USA trip in July, um, is actually easy and you could do this today, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I could do this easy today. Um, okay. and it's Crested Butte, Colorado. So, um, I, for the last two July 4ths have spent, uh, in, I've spent it in Crested Butte and it is gorgeous. I mean, it's 
The reason to go at this time is it's wildflower season. Mm -hmm. It is the wildflower capital of Colorado, and it is incredible. So not only do you get to do incredible high-altitude hiking, you are surrounded by some of the most colorful, beautiful wildflowers you'll see in the mountains, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. And then, so they have an actual festival around the wildflowers, which is neat. They do special like photography things, photography hikes hikes up in the mountains. They do um, walking tours around the town, which is a really beautiful, colorful town. And they also have an incredible 4th of July parade. Now, of course, they didn't have it this year. I hope it does obviously come back. Um, mm-hmm. This, The town of Crested Butte is a town that's at the end of the road um, because it runs into a mountain range. And so what you have there is a whole bunch of awesome old hippies. <laughs> hippies go to the yeah. end of the road. That's funny. That's so <laughs> it's true. one of those quirky mountain towns in Colorado. And that's what makes the July 4th parade so fun. I mean, it's just out there every time for the last few years, I start with the pancake breakfast at the firehouse. And mm. then you, know, you just hang out and kind of party or go fishing or go hiking and then come back and party and see the parade or whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. it's fun. Mm. It's a great place. And you could get there now, potentially. Mm -hmm. But we need to be careful and not flood these regions that don't have a lot of infrastructure. That (laughs) is be responsible during COVID, people. Yes, I do know know they have opened up. They were slower to open up in that region Mm because they were hit pretty hard. Okay, Um, yeah. So I know they're monitoring the people coming in. But but yeah. So in normal years, hopefully that isn't a problem, so... No, uh-uh. I mean, we had, it was just, it's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful area that's just tucked away, um, you know, away from I-70 and stuff like that mm-hmm. in Colorado. So it's just not as, as visited as much. It's a good four and a, four to four and a half hour drive from Denver, Okay, I would say. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. And then my international trip in July is all centered around a festival, one of my favorite festivals in the world. It is. Uh, it's to Mongolia, and the festival is called Nadam. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Nadam is, they actually call it like, what's it called? Like, it's a manly festival. Um, not that women can't participate, but you got to remember, we're in Mongolia. So, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> the, there are three events that go on during this festival. It's wrestling, horse racing, and archery. And <laughs> Cool. <laughs> And uh, it is incredible because um, there, of course, in Ulaanbaatar, which is the main city, the city that you fly into, into Mongolia, um, has a great big, it's the capital. So it has a kind of a great big pomp and circumstance, not on festival. And I say, don't go to that one. Go to Mongolia and get out into some of the small communities. Like I happen to go in the Gobi Desert and go to a small community version of the Mm. festival because it's way, you can get way closer. It's way more like inclusive. You will learn so much more about the culture. You'll probably be the only visitor there. Um, It's just fascinating. So I actually experienced in a small desert village, I guess I would call it settlement. I don't know. Um, and it was kind of a surprise. I, we didn't even know what was going on. And we actually changed all of our plans. And we're like, we are staying and watching this. <laughs> so cool. uh, I think now it's become more popular that some of those communities do actually offer it. Or there's some um, tour companies that actually offer going out to smaller villages to watch. Um, 
the wrestling is so cool and it's it's so funny you can see the picture on the on the book mm-hmm. what they wear yeah and if you've been to mongolia normally the normal outfit of the mongolians are these big heavy boots these huge beautiful robes and like cowboy hats i mean they're all covered up right so when i got there and i saw this wrestling and they take off these robes and they have these little like pink and baby blue kind of like speedos on <laughs> and these little arrow jackets you're like what the heck happened it's, it's like <laughs> traditional bavarian dress meets lingerie that's what it looks like <laughs> and these men i tell you what they're in shape because and, and they're not going to like you know 24 hour fitness it's just they work hard this <laughs> is why this is why sherry extended her plans to stay. <laughs> i can't be yeah, it was nice after being, I'd been in the Gobi Desert for two weeks already. So, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, the wrestling is really cool. It's really kind of this mix between sumo wrestling, but these are not like big giant sumo wrestlers. These are very, um, these are younger bit Mongolians. And it is kind of like sumo wrestling and our wrestling. It's done like on the hard ground. It's fascinating. They've got all these really interesting rituals about it. Um, they invited us to drink, it's called Arag, uh, which is fermented mare's milk. And like, it was just a huge celebration and all the elders got to sit under a tent. It was just beautiful to see. The the heart, the horse racing is actually done by children, like seven to 12 years old. And they ride bareback in from the desert wow. at crazy speeds. Mm. Um, it's just a really cool cultural experience. Plus, Amazing. Stay Longer, Mongolia is one of my top countries in the world i love it it's so fascinating there so go to mongolia okay awesome (laughs) yeah um did you have anything for july uh no i hadn't even thought about it let's i'll skip july for me yeah okay july is like (laughs) i usually am off in july i try not to travel in the summer (laughs) so Ah. yeah (laughs) well okay if you do travel in the summer go to mongolia Mm -hmm, mm because it's so worth it and you can only, I mean, you only really have a few months to go to Mongolia where it's nice. So July's a good month. Okay. Um, August. So August epic. Um, I think, Jackie, you, were, you weren't obviously on this trip, but you were, did you go to the um, uh, Adventure Travel World Summit in Alaska? Yeah, I did. Okay, so this one comes out of that. And even though we did this in September, that was when the summit was, and I actually did it in September, you can do this in August. In fact, it's probably a better time because, you know, as you probably know, things in Alaska really start to shut down in September for like summer type activities. So we actually um, went to Denali and they were closing. They actually left the lodge open just for our group that we stayed in because it was supposed to be closed by then. And that was mid-September. So yeah, if you want to hit Alaska, you got to, you got to get there before they shut. (laughs) And August or early September is a great time to go because you don't have the problem of all like the huge giant mosquitoes and stuff like that, that you do early in the summer. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, so this, the August epic trip is actually, it's called Twin Lakes Paddle and it's a paddling, backpacking, camping trip, basically to Lake Clark National Park, one of the least visited and least known national parks 
but one of the most beautiful you'll ever see. Mm. <laughs> I'm so sold um, already just by this first picture and thinking this. kayak camping. Oh, man. Oh, you would love it. I want to do it. And this is such a remote park. Uh, it's beautiful. It's huge. But no one goes because there's not a road in it. There's not a way to hike into it. The only way in is flow plane. <gasps> um, yeah. Scary again. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. We got to get you over this plane thing because yeah, it will take right? you incredible places. Oh. I guess I hadn't really thought about all these places in my book. There is a lot of small plane flying, at least for the yeah. epic stuff. I think people <laughs> would be excited about that. I think most people would be excited about that. Some people yeah. are going to be nervous, but yeah. Oof, okay. <laughs> for, good, for good reason. But we, so we were like a group of eight. Um, we went with, oh, what was it called? The Alaska Alpine Guides, they are like kick-ass, badass, backcountry guides in Alaska. Sweet. And they're the ones who put on this trip, basically. It was also named like one of the National Geographic's, I don't know what, best trips ever. Tours of a of Lifetime, thing. it says here. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> wow, Tours <laughs> of a Lifetime. Yeah, that's how cool this was. Okay. Um, so you float plane in and we had to bring in you know, we're bringing in all of our kayaks, all of our camping gear, all of our food wow. for, what was it, like five days or something. Um, there are obviously inflatable kayaks. Uh, that's how we got it in. So we had one, two, three, four, about five trips in with a float plane. We had two float planes, but five trips. I mean, they had to go multiple times um, because we had a lot of gear. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we set up camp immediately. It was pouring rain. I'll never forget that. <laughs> Setting up camp and pouring rain. Um, is always fun, but it's great. You paddle a little bit, you hike a little bit. There's these beautiful two lakes and you can see in one of the pictures, it's this beautiful, like aqua blue, um, mountains surrounding you, grizzly bears also surrounding you. Um, yeah. really cool. And basically what this is, is a pilgrimage. I call it a pilgrimage through kayaking and hiking, um, to a cabin on Twin Lakes called from Dick Prenicke's cabin. So what? I honestly, Wait when I went on second. didn't even know who Dick Prenicke was. But some of you may recognize the name because he was quite famous from being on a show. Yes. Um, on, yes. Did mm -hmm. he create his own show? He like recorded on yes. his own, right? Yes. Like I've he, after that. I learned about him, yeah. he's like the original blogger. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a vlogger. Yeah. Yes, they gave him, I think it was the National Park. No, I don't know who it was, but they, they furnished him video cameras. And this was back okay. in like the 70s, I think. I'd have to go back and look at all this. But a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, before like we had batteries like we do today. So I don't even, I still, I have these big questions about like, how did he do this? But he filmed yeah. himself building a cabin. Yep. Um, he built it all with his own hands. He was 51 years old at the time, mm -hmm. built it by hand in the remote wilderness. And he lived there then alone for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Yes. Incredible. I've seen this documentary and he gets like float yeah. plane deliveries yeah. like once a week. And it's, yeah. oh man, it's but not in the winter, you know, kind yeah, of like, yeah, he's right. winter. He lives off the land, but I think it's like after the first year, he no longer hunts for meat. He'll fish, but he's become like friends with the animals. Like it's just, oh, it's the yes. coolest thing. Yeah. Um, he also has a wow. great book out about the whole thing. So for me, because I didn't really know much about this on this trip, 
the trip for me was like this whole learning and educational process and a journey kind of into Dick Prenicke's wilderness. And it That's ended, so cool. it culminated in being able to see his cabin. That's and so it is cool. a national park. Gosh. So there are a couple of rangers that like live there in the summer. Okay. And it's fascinating. Oh, Just man. so cool. Yeah. I am so intrigued by that. I didn't know you could go there. I didn't know it was still up. And since yeah, I course. have seen the show, I'm so intrigued by this. I mean, this is out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a really good one for those people that like backcountry oh stuff. Oh my gosh. And yeah. I was not that much of a backcountry person, but I tell you what, the Alaska Alpine guides were incredible. Mm. Like we had one guide, it was a female too, which she kicked mm-hmm. ass, mm-hmm. Um, which I loved. Yeah, I always love that too. She, just, she had it all together. I mean, I felt completely at ease Yay. the whole time. Great. So yeah. Cool, that's so a, that good one. a good one. <laughs> okay, so USA... August trip, I have Maine, mm. um, which hopefully will be open again sometime. But I did a sometime. really, yeah. <laughs> I, I did a really awesome Maine road trip. Um, it was in August actually, and my goal, as most of my goals in my travel, was to not do the normal places in Maine. Um, I wanted to kind of once again get off the beaten track. I wanted to find hidden gems or kind of. The, the hidden places next to the popular places kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So this was a whole, and if you like go and actually read the article, I have the whole, um, the exact route on Google Maps and where I stayed and all of that. Um, but this really, the other thing about Maine is most people kind of stick to the coast. Obviously it is, it's a beautiful coastline. But I went, I did both. I was on the coast in unusual places and then I went inland too, which was really fun because that's the kind of stuff I like. So mm-hmm. I was actually, I did, <laughs> did another float plane to the um, Northwoods, which was great. Now you could drive there. It would just be a really long drive. Um, but in the Northwoods, that's where I first learned how to fly fish. And they have these things called sporting camps there. Um, sporting camps. They call them sporting what camps. They're this? basically like, <laughs> they come from the, the old history of like, you know, uh, wealthy New Yorkers going up there to get away. To do sports. Hunt. Yeah, to hunt, <laughs> okay. basically. Yeah. And okay. there still is hunting there. Okay. It's legal. But there's also things like I learned how to fly fish up there. Um, I had my own little cabin off the grid. It was mm-hmm. it was gorgeous. You eat down-home food. You float plane in. You float plane out. It's, wow. it's beautiful. Wow. So I did wow. that. So you get to experience the famous kind of north woods of Maine. Um, and then the rest of the time I drove and basically like, instead of doing Acadia national park, the main part of Acadia national park, I actually, there's a little section of Acadia national park. That's just North. It's like a little peninsula and it's, it's separated from Acadia, but it's actually part of Acadia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went up and did that part of the park because I had never been to Acadia and I thought, well, I'm going to do a different part. So um, there's hiking and stuff around there, really pretty on the coast, lots of lobster rolls, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then I went inland and I went to like a rural blueberry festival, mm. which was awesome. They like crowned a blueberry queen. There were whoopie pie eating contests. It was just <laughs> down home fun. And then um, I ended in like Portland and did kayaking. I surfed. You can surf in Maine. The surfing is really great in August, actually, for beginners like me. Um, just need a wetsuit. So, so yeah, it's a, you can find 
you can experience the iconic things of Maine, but in different parts of Maine. And mm-hmm. that's what I like. And actually, so. August is an interesting idea for Maine because I think the draw is more, well, August is ideal because of summer, but the fall in Maine is a, is a big deal. And I, when I did my road trip, it was October. It was actually like the first couple of weeks of October. And so I would imagine that whole season uh, of late summer into fall would be brilliant for Maine. You're going to get more rain as it gets later, but I have never had a more delicious road trip ever. Oh yeah, Lobsters. (laughs) I mean, the lobster rolls and the beer. I could talk about Maine beer. If I had to choose one state, to drink my beer from, I would choose Maine. It is Ooh. so good. Yeah, we can have that conversation if you want to. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, with Colorado. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. But I don't know. I actually do prefer Maine. I know those are fighting words, but yeah. I'm a West Coaster saying that. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was a great time to go. I loved it. Um, yeah, and I stayed in B and Bs, and you know, it's not that crowded if you. You know, if you are open to going to some of these different places. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and then my August International is also a festival. <laughs> this one, because this was something I experienced way before I ever became a travel writer. It was actually an accident that we came across. This is called the Palio. <laughs> yeah. And it's a horse race in Siena. Have you been to it? I have not. I've been to Siena and I've tried to imagine this horse race in this tiny piazza, which is just amazing to me, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just there. This is back when I had my old corporate job and I had a vacation and I went with some friends and we went to Tuscany and got a house and the closest town was Siena. And, uh, we didn't, we had no idea that the paleo was going on and it's like a week long process. Mm-hmm. Um, but the paleo is basically in the little town of Siena. There's, there is a small campo or yeah. well, not really a square, a plaza. Yeah, so, and yeah. what they do is they fill it with dirt and it's kind of a semicircle, basically shape. So really it's a weird shape, mm-hmm. um, but they fill it with dirt. And for that week, um, they have pra- they practice with the horses racing around in this little campo, and at the end of the week they have the actual race. It's I think it's like thirteen contradas. I can't remember how many contradas, but contradas is a neighborhood. All of Siena is broken into these neighborhoods, basically, um, and they each have like a, a symbol or a flag. Like there's the goose neighborhood. There's, I can't remember. There's all these different ones. There's some bird, other birds, who knows, but they then compete against each other. They get, they, I'm assuming hire good bareback riders and that rider represents their neighborhood and they race around the campo three times on bareback on a horse. And it is crazy. And whoever wins that like neighborhood wins the cup, you know, for the year or whatever. Um, just oh my gosh it was so cool and so fun there's so much like pomp and circumstance leading up to the race the week up to the race that is so medieval it's you know Mm. it's all rooted in all the medieval town you know town culture kind of thing um but the race itself is just manic there's all this pomp and circumstance at the beginning and the race is only three times around the track yeah so it goes super fast and it's, I know the rule is like, it doesn't matter 
if your rider finishes, the horse just has to finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's cutthroat. It's really cutthroat. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, we happened across it and we, we got, we were enthralled. Um, it's so you know, funny. By the end of the week. We had our, we had picked our neighborhoods, yeah. we had yeah. our flags, we went and watched it, we yeah. partied afterwards. We actually ran into Al Gore at oh, it man. on accident. Yeah, it was crazy. That's so <laughs> funny to me because I don't think you could happen upon this anymore. Like that oh, is either. said like it happened, you know, 20, yeah. 15, 20 years ago, because now you wouldn't, you would, if you were just traveling through Tuscany, you wouldn't choose Siena that week because Airbnb prices would be through the roof, oh, you know, like you yeah. wouldn't just happen upon this. It's so funny, but I You're love right. that. This is the shortest horse race in the world. Oh, cool. At least it was at one time. I'm sure it still is. But yeah. 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 And cool. it's, uh, you're right. It was at least 20 years ago when I went when I yeah. accidentally happened upon it. Yeah. But, uh, oh, but it's cool. still a lot of fun. It's still going yeah. on. There's still a ton of culture involved. Um, you know, if you're going to be in Tuscany, you'd have to plan ahead on this one because you're right. You, you really need to reserve your spot and all that kind of stuff. Um, and be prepared. It's it's crowded. You can see the picture in there. I mean, everyone is shoved into the campo. There is not a bathroom to be found in the middle there. And once you're in the middle, you can't get out of the middle because the Mm. track goes around you. Right. 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 Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, but fun. Okay. Okay. We're into September. September. Uh, yeah. So I also realized as I was writing this book that a lot of my trips, especially the epic ones, revolve around wildlife. Mm. And I thought I was that much of a wildlife person, <laughs> but I'm just an outdoors person. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated with wildlife. So my September epic trip is bear watching in Canada. Um and I just actually, well, I've tried this a number of times, but I actually just did it successfully last September, actually. Yeah, I remember um, your stories from this one, too. This yeah. Cool. Beautiful. So this is an area, um, it's called Bella Coola. Uh, it's in BC, Canada. And it's it's also called kind of the, the, what do they call it? The gateway to the Great Bear Rainforest. So... I don't know how familiar you are with the Great Bear Rainforest, but it is this spectacular, I don't know, thousands and thousands of acres of, um, what's it called? Temperate rainforest. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it's a rainforest, but not in a super, you know, we think of rainforest normally in places like Singapore and by the equator and stuff like that. Yeah. But temperate temperate rainforests are cool. Um, And it snows there, but it's still a rainforest for the amount of rainfall, um, and it's been, this area has been protected. It's full of very unique wildlife. It's where, if you've ever heard of the spirit bear or the, what do they call it? Kermode is the First Nations um, word for it. The Kermode bear, which is a white, basically a white grizzly bear. Okay. It's really cool. Only found wow. there in the Great Bear Rainforest. Wow, but wow. I was simply going because I wanted to see grizzly bears. And kind of like Alaska is a great place to see grizzly bears. So is the Great Bear Rainforest, this area of, um, of Canada. And it's, I can guarantee you, it's much less crowded than Alaska. Let most mm. people go to Alaska, go down and, you know, and there's tons of bears. That's great. But um, this is a little less 
visited and a lot of culture also involved in this. Um, I flew in there. You can either fly in to Bella Coola. Um, I flew in on a small plane. Ferry <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in from, oh, it's I don't know where the ferry goes from though. Now I'm trying to remember, but the ferry comes like twice a week. Um, and lands in Bella Coola. It's not okay. Vancouver. I think it comes from like Vancouver Island. Um, and then you can also drive. Um, it's one of the few ways that you can actually drive into the Great Bear Rainforest. Now, it is not an easy drive. It's a long haul, especially mm-hmm. like if you're going to come to Vancouver. Um, and the road that goes out there, though, is beautiful. If you're someone that likes like, you know, just cool, epic road trips, this would be fun. Um, wow. I flew in, so I didn't get to see the road, but I had heard so much about the road. They call it the hill. And, and I had heard so much about the hill that I'm like, I took one of my days, I was there for a week and we drove up the hill so I could see what it was like. It's basically this crazy road that the government said they couldn't build and all the locals built it themselves. Oh, wow. And it is, it's harrowing. Whoa. Um, yeah. When it's dropping a whole bunch of you know feet into this valley it's you know no guardrails all you awesome. know but they, they did a great job of keeping it and it's yeah. fine yeah i wouldn't want to pull a camper down it or up it but it's fine yeah um okay fine. Cool. and then adventure yes and this also to know about the great bear rainforest um in this area this is where you're going to find some of the most beautiful fjords you know just like New Zealand, just like Norway, mm-hmm. but here in North America. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is incredible. So one of the days um, I did, you know, just regular grizzly bear watching where you go and you wait in hides and you wait for them to come on. And then I also did a float um, where we floated in a raft down a river. That was a little unnerving, but <laughs> we did. Um, and we saw bears. And we stopped. We actually backed up and went towards them. And I'm like, oh, holy goodness. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they weren't interested in us. They were just okay. eating salmon. Yeah. Happy. But it was neat to be on in the float because you really got, you got a whole different perspective than from a hide. Um, so that was cool. And then we also just went out. I went out driving with locals, you know, into these kind of backfire roads. And we found them ourselves, you know, too. Mm-hmm. Um so lots of ways to see bears there. But then I also spent a day out on a boat in the fjords. Probably, you know how, and I'm sure you've had these, like you have days in your travels that are like the most memorable, perfect days. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You yeah, have a yeah. handful of those. Uh-huh. And this was one of those for me. The, oh. the boat ride out on the fjords was such a, it was just such epic scenery the weather was changing constantly. It was beautiful. We went to a natural hot spring. We pulled up crab from the, mm. you know, traps and had it for lunch. We went and saw this thousand-year-old cedar tree and gave it a hug. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was nature at its best. Mm. It was just a beautiful nature day. <laughs> I'm so sold. Um, wow. Yeah. And then in addition to that, you also, if you're interested in like First Nation culture, which is prevalent around that area. They have these like thousands and thousands, I think they're upwards of 10,000 years old, um, petroglyphs there that are fascinating. Um, You know, that whole First Nations culture and Mm -hmm. there are similarities between that and New Zealand, what they found in New Zealand and all the the petroglyphs are the same. It's just cool cool. stuff. 
Yeah. So lots of stuff to do there. In addition to bear watching, I went for bear watching, but if you want to do grizzly bear watching, it's a great little hidden gem that not many people know about. Excellent. Yes. Um, and I say go for a week. I went for a week, stayed in the cabin. It was so fun. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to go all the way out there, stay. Yeah, mm-hmm. do it. Uh, and let's see, USA for September. <laughs> We're a- changing gears a little bit here. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. But that's, you know, had to, had to provide a good variety. Um, I went to Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, tell and- us why. What's in Cincinnati? Okay, I went on a press trip, not thinking, I didn't have any huge expectations, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was a stop on a way to somewhere else. And it was, it was also last year. And it ended up being one of my favorite cities in America that I've ever visited. Like, <laughs> wow, it was so cool. I had so much fun there. And I was only there three days. So this is going to be a short yeah, trip. Yeah. Um, I had no idea all the history there. Um, it is filled with art deco uh, architecture. And in fact, in I was really surprised to learn that it was like the testing ground for the Empire State Building, as well as the Brooklyn Bridge. So you will find two things that look very familiar there, hmm. that they built those first, and and then they went and built like the Empire State Building. This was like their test mm-hmm. first <laughs> kind of thing. Same with the Brooklyn Bridge. So they look exactly the same, practically. Um, so I thought that was really kind of cool. The Art Deco culture is so amazing inside. They've done a really nice job of preserving all of it. Their train station is world famous for it art, its Art Deco culture. And it's also was used as the, what do I want to say, the model for the um, League of Justice in the Super Friends. Okay. <laughs> a little weird trivia. If you ever watched, if you were like me and got up on Saturday mornings and watched Super Friends, um, it will look familiar to you. <laughs> okay, uh, funny. <laughs> weird. But the other thing that it has is a whole bunch of really interesting culture about um, the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. You have to remember Cincinnati, the river that runs through that was the the border between North and South. So if slaves could make it to Cincinnati across that river, they were free. Um, there's a whole interesting National Underground Railroad and Freedom Center there. It's a huge museum. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's right on the river. You learn so much about it. It's great. That's so cool. Um, that is so yeah. cool. Yeah. This whole, what I liked about it, it was like, it was this division, you know, it was like North and South and it had both, both of the cultures, like even in the restaurants and stuff that you went to, there was very, you know, a lot of Southern roots in it. It was just really interesting in that. There's a, it's one of the biggest German populations um, in the, you know, outside of Germany. Basically, right. they had a whole area uh, that was all German, German newspapers. They called it, what did they call it? Um, what's the, I can't think of the river in, in Germany now. But anyway, it was all German. And you can do these underground tours. So during Prohibition, uh, they still made beer. They were like a forerunner in the brewing industry there, the Germans, and the prohibition forced them literally underground. And now they found all of these old like tunnels and places where they brewed underground and they've dug them out and you can do tours there. It's fascinating. Okay, cool. Very plenty to do there. Yeah. Great food or all that stuff. Um, They also have um, the, I believe, 
if I'm not wrong, I think they have the biggest, the largest Oktoberfest outside of Germany. That would make sense. It's totally. also in Cincinnati, I think. Um, which yeah. I imagine that would also be in September, although I don't know about that because the real Oktoberfest is in, it ends early October. It's mostly in September. So yeah. I don't know, but that's a good thing to check. They also yeah. have a really cool festivals that go on there at different times of the year. But, you know, if you're looking for, if you want kind of that city experience, but not so crowded, you know, this is a great kind of second city to go to, right? Cool, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's what I loved about it. And it's just, there was so much history there that I had no idea, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my international trip for September, you will also be familiar with, because mm-hmm. this also came out of a Adventure Travel World Summit just last year. And that is Western Sweden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there, I went out backcountry hiking, camping. Um, they called it rewilding. Um, so this idea that you get back to nature, you learn, you know, on the trip that I took, which was really cool, you, you know, learn how to build your own fires and all this stuff, make, what is it, fika, the coffee, which is such a big part of the culture. We learned archery, Mm -hmm. um, did epic hikes. It was just, it was beautiful. I mean, I, I'm sure you would agree. Sweden is one of the countries that really take, the nature and wilderness and preserving it so seriously. Yeah. Uh, I was just blown away by it. Now it's mm-hmm. interesting with their recent, with the recent stuff with COVID with them, but um, you know, I believe it's a great place to go once this all ends. <laughs> I definitely second that. Yeah. I was very, very impressed. And Sweden was easy. It's very easy. Um, it is a little bit more expensive, but it's it's easy. Like it's easy to get around, and it was very. I felt very welcomed there. I felt very at home, like immediately. It's yeah. Like, okay. This is a cool yeah. place. Yeah. And this was, you know, this is. A, I, I think if you're going to do Sweden, I mean, the, there are obviously cities there that are really interesting and wonderful. But if you can get out to the wilderness of Sweden, and this was in an area where I did this this rewilding tour. Mm-hmm. Um, was in Yapland, which is kind of in the, the middle. It's not all the way up north, but it's not, you know, in the south where all the bigger cities are. It was it's really in the middle. They have skiing there in the winter. And yeah, but I thought it was a beautiful time in September because you really had those like fall colors. It was kind of tundra-ish in a way. Um, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I will add to this too, that I, I've mentioned... I think somewhere along the show, <laughs> I mentioned that I did, because um, you and I actually spent a day in the same place in Sweden during this trip, um, wow. where I did a 10-mile run, and it was like over, it was it was like, an, it, it was part of a race that happens. And so I think that this is actually in September as well, or late October, or sorry, late August or early September is when this race actually happens but there's like a three-day race that they do that's just like island hopping in west sweden um ramsvik is where we started i probably said that wrong but uh that's where we did like a portion of this trail and i I think i mentioned this on a show a while back um maybe last october ish but um yeah that was so gorgeous it was so fun to just get out with a group of runners and explore on foot these little 
fishing villages in West Sweden. Super cool. So I would add that to this one too. Is it's the race is called the West Coast Trail. Um, or that's what it's on. It's the ice bug experience is what yeah. it's called. That's ice bug it put it on. I remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. They good do, one. They're doing some really cool stuff over there for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's keep going. October. Okay. October. Um, so I wrote about my epic trip for October is hiking the Annapurna circuit in Nepal. Mm. Um, and this is epic because this is a, well, it can take you anywhere from 15 to 20 some days to hike the trail, depending on how much of it you want to do. Now I hiked this back in 2009 with my fam, with my dad actually. And he was 73 at the time. Um, but if you want to really become one with the Himalayas, this is a great circuit to do a circuit trail to do um it was really popular for a long time and then it kind of uh became a little bit controversial not controversial but you read more about it because people are like oh they're building roads and it's going to ruin the trail Mm. um and they have built roads and what that's done i don't believe it's ruined the trail because to me half of this is about hiking in the himalayas and half of it is about really um, immersing yourself in the Nepalese culture, the high mountain culture. Um, so, you know, the, to me, the road does not ruin the culture and they've built trails around the roads, but what the roads also do is if you don't have a whole month or whatever, or half a month to do this complete circuit, like we did, Mm -hmm. um, you can do it in like, you can do portions of it in a week's time, Mm -hmm. um, because you can be driven up way higher, like, uh, then, you know, we had to hike all the way up there to the town of Machame, but I think the road now goes all the way up to Machame and that's at 10,000 feet. So we had to get up there (laughs) already. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, this through hike, I really, it's not easy necessarily, but I do believe, you know, my dad who's 73, he did it. So I do believe anyone can do it. It just depends on how slow you want to take it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, Route, the highest point, one of the things that I liked about this trail, the highest point is close to 18,000 feet, and it's the Thorong La Pass, and it comes in the middle. So basically, you spend the first half of the hike, the first few weeks, whatever, or going up, 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 all the way to get to this pass. You do this big, epic pass crossing, and then it's like, you know, down you want to say down the whole rest of the way, but it's not because there's some more up after that, <laughs> but nothing, nothing as high of altitude as, as that. Um, but it's just, it's a great hike and you stay in the villages. You could camp if you want, but most people stay in tea houses. Um, it's Nepal. So you can easily hire a porter to carry your stuff, which is great. Um, as well as a guide, we had both a guide and a porter. Um, and I did that because, I was hiking with my dad. I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure we had people around who could help. Yeah, um, But you could easily get away with just doing it with a porter. You could also go with a group if you want. You know, there's lots of companies that, that run this trek. Uh, so mm-hmm. lots of ways to do it, but it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it will, you know, certainly test you on your high altitude hiking. Yeah. Um, and you have to go slow. But oh, it's so, so beautiful. The, the, uh, lodging and stuff like that is basic. The food is actually pretty good, but basic. Um, 
And it's just, you go from walking through rice fields to, you know, high mountain summits. Yeah. So it's, you get a little bit of everything. Amazing. And so many awesome locals along the way. I want so. to go to Nepal so bad. I've never you been there. You haven't been. No, I've never Ooh. been there. Yeah. See, now most people go to Nepal and do the Everest base camp. Right. Which for me, I have zero interest in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like a circus that's on the mountain. I, yeah. That's why I think the Annapurna circuit's a really yeah. great alternative. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't like the idea of the roads, it's not that you hike on the roads all the time. It's just that, you know, it changes it a little bit, I suppose. But there's also a whole bunch of other hikes, you know, like I think there's one that goes through Nepal. Oh, what's it called? The great Himalayan trail. Mm. And that takes like three months to wow. do. Yeah. Wow. So there's some even more epic trips there that just people like yeah. you and I could do. Yeah. And so super fun. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I have an alternative. So the October, uh, international trip uh, is really around a festival and it is to Volksfest. Volksfest is held in Stuttgart, Germany. <laughs> and it is basically what you would find at Oktoberfest in Munich, but way more local and a little smaller and mm-hmm. in October. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I know you've been obviously to Oktoberfest. I haven't. Um, yes, I am yeah. a regular there. So, <laughs> yes, have you ever heard of Volksfest? Have you ever been to Stuttgart? And, um, I haven't and been just- to. I have not been to Stuttgart yet. I I've heard of Volksfest. Um, Germany has so many amazing festivals. I once was learning about so many of them, and so that's when I heard about this yeah. one. But I kind of want to do them all because they. Yeah. Th- it's different there. I don't know. I I really appreciate their their traditional festivals. So tell us about this one. Well, it is very much, it's, you know, celebrating the harvest, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very much like, you know, they've got the big tents. I, they've got the huge, huge tents. Everyone's dressed up in, in the clothes. It's got everything that, that Munich has basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little bit later and it is way more local. I will say, you know, had never been to an Oktoberfest kind of, thing before i was surprised by also like all the carnival rides and stuff like that oh, yeah mm-hmm. um, i didn't know that that existed yeah I just it's it like <laughs> the minnesota state fair for adults right. that's what Oktoberfest right. is yeah where you get to dress up <laughs> exactly and there's dress up <laughs> yeah yeah yes. so to me this is a really fun festival to go to um also there's just a whole bunch of fun things to do in stuttgart and around um like one of my favorite tours I've ever taken was of the Mercedes factory mm. there in Stuttgart. So fascinating. Um, plus it doesn't take you long to just drive down a little bit further to the black forest and stuff mm. like that. So yeah. you could, you know, easily go for a couple days to the festival um, and then also explore around that area, which is Stuttgart is certainly a big town. It's not, you know, it's not like Berlin and Munich and those places where they are heavily touristed. So it's a little bit different mm-hmm. look at Germany um, and a lot of fun and a lot of great beer. I'm in. So, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. And you already have a dirndl for that. I'm I sure. know. <laughs> one of these years, I'm going to actually upgrade and get like a real one because I, I still mine came from 
a department store downtown Munich, you know, which it's still fun. I love wearing it. I love wearing that thing. But I really like now that I've learned so much about Oktoberfest and I've gone back so many times, I look at my own dirndl and I'm like, wow, I'm such a tourist, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) I want to like elevate my Oktoberfest game. But I love this idea and I want to do this. I really like you just sparked this. I want to go to this one. This looks really cool. And go to the Black Forest and like then maybe do a bike tour or something like that's I love this idea. Yes. Well, I think we talked on the last show a little bit about, um, you talked about your biking in um, Austria along the Danube. Mm -hmm. And I told you, I did this really cool Danube trip um, that took me, what was it? It was on the Danube, like when it started. So from its spring to the point where cruise ships, it gets big enough for cruise ships to go on it. I did it as a road trip, but you can also do it as a bike trip. Yeah. It's beautiful. They've got bike trails all through there. So lots of options once you get into that part of Germany. Yes. Um, so great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And also in the, I just, funny as I go through this, I'm like, oh, here's another drinking thing um, in October. <laughs> <laughs> it's a theme. <laughs> yes, apparently drinking and, and small planes. Um, so in October for USA, I did Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Hmm. and this is something I did a few years ago that I organized myself and I call it the barrel to bar way to visit Louisville, Kentucky. It is obviously Louisville is the home of bourbon and the bourbon trail you've probably heard of, Mm -hmm. um, which is all the distilleries around there and how you can drive from distillery to distillery and, you know, get with a sober driver people with a DD. Um, exactly (laughs) or going on a tour yeah like i did it through tours um what's it called mint julep tours or something like that but (laughs) cool anyway i'd been to i had been to louisville before and done it that way i had just gone to different distilleries along the bourbon trail but one of the things that i wanted to do when i put this trip together was really go beyond just you know go to a distillery do a tasting go to a distillery do a tasting and get the same old kind of tour um, I really wanted to go the complete cycle. So I decided I'm going to try to do everything I can. And, and we were only there two days, three days, I think. Um, but I started at the barrel since that's where everything starts with bourbon. And I went to, there's a barrel factory tour you can take in Louisville. And um, you can see them. You see the picture here. They're being charred. Yeah. It is the best smelling factory floor I've ever been on. That's so cool. Uh, you know, white, white oak barrels. And so you see them putting it together and they, even though it's a factory, these are people putting, I can't remember what the different slabs of the barrel now are called, should remember, but putting the barrel slabs together by hand, putting them in like a pot. It's cool. They have a special (laughs) name. I know. And I'm forgetting it too. uh, Oh man. It's a really cool Uh, art though. It's like a very, very specific thing dang both of us are forgetting this word yeah so it was really cool to see how they put it together to see you know the wood come in you go through the whole process all the way to the charring um so i started with that type of you know barrel cooperage tour and then um then i went and did a day out on the distillery or on the bourbon trail visited a few distilleries learned about the whole process 
and then uh, came back into Louisville and did a bottling process. So you learned how to bottle. Um, there's a, a bourbon distillery there that will actually let you bottle your own, um, which was fun. And so you learn about that process and you actually get, of course, take the bottle home, which is a nice bonus. Yeah, and of course. <laughs> then we finished with a mixology course on oh. how to do, you know, mixed drinks with bourbon. And it was just a super fun way. You know, you see all the all farm to table stuff and this yeah. is barrel to bar and it's a nice three day trip in Louisville if oh, you want to get cool. away. Yeah. yeah. Also, and October's a go. Okay. Because of yeah. the the fall. I was going to say, you just said it, by the way. Cooper. Oh. They're Coopers, aren't they? Well, it, or like. The, no, not, not the slabs. No, the. Oh, the slabs themselves. I was thinking the people, like the people who build yeah. the barrels. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. We were thinking about it. I was like, oh, that was it. You just said it. Like, okay, never mind. <laughs> All right. So, but you did, yeah, the whole factory is called like a Cooperage. Yeah, and right. right. People are called Coopers. Absolutely. Right. Okay. That's the word I was looking for. And then you said it. I was like, well, that, hmm, okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Before we, before we get away from October and, yeah. um, and actually I just said something that, that kind of sparked another idea for me that I should have said in September. So while we're still in the late fall, I'm going to add a couple more here in September last was it just last year? Oh, it feels like forever ago. Um, <laughs> I did a biking tour through the Swiss Alps and that was absolutely amazing. Um, I would recommend that because it's a completely, ooh, it's a different way to see Switzerland. We rode from Southern Switzerland to Northern, like from border to border, basically through a valley through the Alps, which was absolutely incredible. And I do have a, podcast about that. So um, most of these guys have heard about that because that was one I did with Carly. We talked about I know. that on the show. I yeah. watched that and wanted to do it so badly. Yeah, that's a really, I highly recommend that trip. So that I would say is, is an, I would say that's an epic probably or an international. Yeah. It's both. Um, yeah. And the other thing that kind of slipped out of my mouth that I thought, oh, that's a really good idea is the Minnesota State Fair, you guys, oh, US-based. Right. It's so fun. It's really cool. Like, it's actually worth going. I mean, I say that as if Minnesota is not worth visiting, but it is. Um, <laughs> it really is. And the, if you go at the Minnesota State Fair, it's so fun. There's You can get all this different food like on a stick. That's what they're like super proud of. There are different concerts at night. It lasts for a few days. Um, I think. Yeah. <gasps> a few days? Yeah. It actually, no, it lasts for weeks. Weeks. For Thank you. Two weeks. I think yeah. I was there for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting it confused. Um, so I'm curious about that because I used to live in Minnesota. Oh, um, yeah. I'm curious what for you makes the Minnesota State Fair so great as, as opposed to all the other state fairs? You know what? I will tell you. And actually, that's a really good question because people all over the country might be like, what is she talking about right now? <laughs> I will say it's because I think it's because of where I'm from and what I know to be a state fair, which is like nothing. It's like nothing compared to when I went to the Minnesota State Fair. It was like big and there are like lots to see. There are rides like the, it was. I mean, it's kind of like I just said, it's like Oktoberfest without the beer. You know, it, it was really yeah. impressive to me. Maybe that's normal in the East and maybe that's normal in the Midwest. Maybe it is. We don't really have that 
at least in the states I've lived in in the West, I have not experienced that. And so major disclaimer, it could just be a personal experience that like I was impressed with. And it's just funny. Like you can get walleye on a stick like I, I or spaghetti and meatballs on a stick. Like who does that? Minnesota does that. So, you know, um, I, that's why I liked it. I thought it was really fun. And for the musical thing. Awesome. And also I want to yeah. add this. If you guys are, are passing through Minnesota and you have time, go to the mall of America and do the flyover. Did you do that? Sherry? No. Huh? Oh my gosh. They have a thing called flyover America. And it's like a, it's a, it's like a motion theater, but it's, it's like motion theater a la, you know, 21st century. It's really cool. Yeah. And it huh. it's it's like a gorgeous. I mean, I'm sure they did it with like drones and but they take you all over the United States and uh that's cool. it's worth it. And so that's a and you can get the light rail from the from yeah, MSP from the airport, from the airport mm-hmm. straight to the Mall of America where they have a, a really fun theme park and it's in the theme park. Um so oh, that's really anyway, good to know. Yeah, I'll two check fun that out. randos. I that a lot because that's a, I fly in there to see my sister who lives oh, there you go. the Do western I. side of Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. So um cool. Okay, so that was those were both things that I did in September. For October, though, I was thinking last year I also did uh with my girlfriends a, and this was actually a um a podcast episode as well, but we spent uh, almost a week hiking on the Via Dinarica, which is a long distance trail that connects yeah. the Balkans. And we were in Bosnia. We chose Bosnia to, uh, we did a section of the white trail and that was actually in early October. Uh, I think we started late September and we did it for about a week. And so we went into October and we didn't hit rain until the last day. Um, So I would say like late fall is the time to do this, depending on which part of the trail you do, because if you do the whole thing, you could do it in like two months. But I mean, we just did this one section in a week and it was absolutely gorgeous. We didn't see a soul on the trail for the four or five days that we were hiking. Um, No other hikers. And it was awesome. At one point we got we got to this viewpoint that felt like we were standing over Yosemite and we were by ourselves. You know, there was no one around. It's like mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and so the Balkans, absolutely um, a hot spot. I would say in that, that season is a perfect time to go there. They've got harvest, they've got festivals, they've got trails, they've got the, the sea stays warm, you know? So if you're going to be on the coast, it's like the perfect time to visit the Adriatic, which is why I scheduled my Croatia trip, but bike and boat trip for, that season oh, um it's perfect nice. yeah nice that's an area i have not been to either. oh man oh so my goodness really cool. i know i can't believe it <laughs> oh. i'm really weak in that part of the world i would say wow it's so. one of my favorite corners of the entire go. planet um all right well <laughs> i think we're about to change seasons here so let's go into yes. november November, we're getting cooler. We're getting close um, too. We're almost done. <laughs> no, oh my gosh, we are. <laughs> November. Okay, so November, epic trip. More wildlife, but this is, uh, you mentioned this at the beginning mm, of the first show that we talked we about. Go. Churchill, yep. Manitoba. Uh, Churchill, Manitoba, which is Canada. Um, and this is really about oh polar bears. Goodness, this uh, picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know we talked about Wrangell Island in July and I said, yes, you can see polar bears there. Um, 
that's a little obviously harder to get to. You know, it's it's above the Arctic Circle. And Churchill, Whereas, wow. Yeah, Churchill is something that if you want to see polar bears and you want to be pretty much guaranteed guaranteed to see polar bears, this is the place to go. Mm-hmm. And you can actually get there much easier. But it is an epic trip because you're still going pretty far north. It's an area where there are no Churchill. There's no roads that go into it that connect it. Um, you normally have to do a charter flight up there with a tour company. So it is a big plane, um, but it is chartered specifically for your tour. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the coolest things that they have there is what's in this picture, um, and that's the tundra buggies. So they had a guy tundra from buggies. Churchill yeah, that designed or invented these tundra buggies. And these are like, how can I, I think how I'm going to describe them is imagine a school bus that has a pickup trailer in the back (laughs) has like, gosh, it must be like six foot tall wheels, um, like major wheels, big wide wheels, because what this does is it drives on the tundra and the tundra is very soft and squishy and also needs to be protective. So it's the, the wheels are really wide, so it doesn't make as much of a damage to the tundra. Plus, it can get through all the bumpy tundra. Um, and the idea then is that you can view polar bears from this vehicle. And you can see on the picture, people go out to the back where that like pickup trailer bed is in a way. And the bears like will come right up to the vehicle. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> This one is standing on its hind legs with its paws up on the bumper, like full extension bear, like trying to check out the people. (laughs) So cool. Yeah, it is the coolest thing. It's like you have gone into their environment. Mm -hmm. Um, They're used to the tundra buggies because, you know, they do have a lot of them around there and they're not scared by them. So you, you often run across them and the drivers are excellent. You know, it's like a it's like a safari driver in Africa where they're just really good at knowing the patterns of the animals and how to like drive ahead and have the animals come to you, which is also kind of fascinating Mm. stuff. If you ask me, the other cool thing about the tundra buggy is, you know, it's cold up there in November, but when you go back inside of the little bus section, Mm -hmm. there's an actual like stove in there, like wood stove. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. That's so awesome. so you like well, it's it is awesome. <laughs> um, oh, so cool. you can stay warm by the stove, and it's just it's so cool. You actually go out for the whole day, um, mm. and you know you have lunch in there. Oh, wow! You know you view bears. I saw these epic battles of bears fighting where they were practicing. You know they're not really necessarily mad at each other, but they're they're fighting because they're practicing because they're getting ready for the ice to come back to Hudson Bay. That's why the bears, I should probably say, that's why the bears are here. The bears have all come ashore because in the summer, because the ice has disappeared, right? Mm -hmm. So they come ashore in these areas and they roam these areas. Well, once it gets to be late October, November, they all instinctually start coming back to the shores of Hudson Bay. And that's where this is. Churchill is right on the shore of Hudson Bay. And they come back to Hudson Bay and wait and now it's a waiting game for them because they're waiting for the ice to come back, you know, strong enough so that they can get out on the bay and wow. start hunting for okay. seals. Cool. So when you see them at this time of year, 
they are, they're hungry, they're hungry. You know, ready, ready to get back out and get out hunting for seals because they probably haven't eaten well for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're practicing, they're practicing fighting. Now, we also even saw because some of them are so hungry, they are known to actually, maybe the, the males are known to hunt the cubs at times if oh. they get hungry enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we saw, I, I didn't see that we saw the hunt going on, which was really freaky, but obviously we didn't see anyone getting taken. And then, so it's this interesting thing between the mothers and the cubs and the wow. males and oh, yeah. everyone's just waiting for ice to form. It's you, just this yeah. cool mother nature time. Um, Where you feel like so, you're in the middle of National Geographic. I yes, love that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually, they, they've also, there's, um, I think it's, Frontiers North is who I went with, was the company I went with. There's a couple of bigger companies that just run these tours. But Frontiers North also has a Tundra Buggy Hotel out on the Tundra. So of course they do. Also, they they like line them up like a train, a bunch of them together, but they've all been customized. So you can walk through them and then you have like little bunk beds. You have a bunk Tundra Buggy. So you can actually stay overnight out on the Tundra. And one most likely see Aurora, which is pretty freaking awesome. And two, you get to watch the bears at night. Like they'll come up to the buggy or they'll, you know, it's just it's mm-hmm. cool stuff. Wow. <laughs> or you can get up on top of the buggies, I think, and watch and wow. see the Aurora and all that. So very oh. epic trip. Okay. Sounds um, epic. Sounds absolutely yeah. epic. Yeah. And, and as a side note for me, I was up there as much for the bears and that as I was for understanding the culture of a town like Churchill um, that is cut off from the rest of the world that is surrounded by polar bears in October and November. It is fascinating. I was actually there for Halloween. It's one of the coolest places to be for Halloween. Um, They set up a perimeter around the town and they let the children go out trick or treating, which normally you don't, you wouldn't let the children out at night like that because Mm -hmm. bears can wander into the town at this time of Mm -hmm. in October and November and have, um, and so they set up this whole volunteer perimeter around the town. They set up, you know, they put up helicopters, make sure it's clear and they let the children go out and trick or treat. It's just wow. a really <laughs> wow. neat, remote living. community. Oh, man. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so neat place to be at that time of year. And you will see polar bears. I know you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. November USA. I chose New Orleans because I think New Orleans is one of the coolest cities that we have um, by far. And unlike going in like February when it's super busy, obviously, um, I went in November and I think it's a really great time to go. I mean, any time can be a good time to go, but it's a little cooler in November. You don't have the crowds of Mardi Gras. Um, You know, you can do all kinds of stuff there. I have an article written about how to get off the beaten path there because as much as, you know, the French quarter is interesting to me, there is so, so, so much more to do. And the last time I was there, you know, this is a mutual friend of ours, Tammy, mm-hmm. you know, Tammy. Yes. I, um, Tammy. I actually stayed with her, but she, she lives there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you can go out with a local and especially a local like her, that's so into the music scene, it was awesome. She, we did this thing called, she called them, going to destination bars and these were bars that you wouldn't normally go to unless you had a specific reason to go like listen to a specific band because they weren't in the 
in the French Quarter. They weren't even anywhere near downtown. Like some of them, we had to go, we had to Uber a ways to get to them. But oh, okay. such a cool local community feel. Um, so, oh, cool. yeah, it's, it's a really cool area to go to. And if you are interested in uh, New Orleans or you have a trip planned there sometime, definitely click on the read it icon and read more about how to get off the beaten path. Cause I have some really cool ideas. I've been there a lot and mm-hmm. I, I have ways to get you out into places you've never, you've never probably seen in new Orleans. Excellent. I've um, never been there. I've never what? been to new Orleans. Nope. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. I have so much <laughs> of the, of actually most of the South I haven't been yeah. in the United well, States. So this is one of these places in the, the actual, you know, continental U.S. Um, that when I go there, I feel like I am in another country. That is the coolest. It, it's just love that. such a mm. different culture. That Cajun mm. culture is so different than anything we have. And, and the people there that you meet, they know they're different from mm. anyone in America. It's just, it's, it's really cool. So I think you'd like it. I'm sure um, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, okay. My, my last one for November is our international trip. This is also one that came out of Adventure mm-hmm. Travel World Summit. And that is Northern Argentina and Chile. Yeah. So I know you'll have a lot to say about this. Mm. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously, it's funny because when I was putting the book together, I too have spent a lot of time in Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Um but my goal was to really get people, you know, thinking about places, different places in those countries. Um, so yeah. I didn't actually want to put Patagonia down. Not, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah. But this was a cool alternative to it. And actually, one of the things that I loved about this area is like northern Argentina, Chile. It doesn't have a name. Like, you know, Patagonia is basically southern Argentina in Chile. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, we need to have a name for this area because it's mm-hmm. just as beautiful and cool. It's in a different way, mm-hmm. but it really is a region that spans both countries that mm-hmm. is very similar. So um, I was up in, we were up in Salta for the mm-hmm. conference and uh, we went out to, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but the, you know, in outside of Salta, in, which is in Argentina, which is a cool place in itself to go in Argentina. Mm-hmm. You can get out there and you'll get out to these deserts and salt flats and just landscapes that you didn't even know existed. Super high desert, like 10,000 feet, 9,000 feet um, that are beautiful. And that's where we went. I have never seen, I don't know about you, but once I got out into those areas of Northern Argentina, I had never seen landscapes like that before. These were things that like, mm-hmm wow, I hadn't seen in the, in the world before. And it was like you were on Mars most of the time. Yeah. Yep. Um, beautiful That's hiking. Exciting. You can see flamingos there too. And then after I went through Northern Argentina, I took the bus and rode over to Chile, which <gasps> took a day to the Atacama Desert. Wait, and then, how did we not do this together? So did I. I don't know. You did? Oh yeah. I got so, I got the most like, oh, I got so sick on that, on that drive. Oh, you're kidding. Over Paso de Hama? Yeah. Because yes. it just like winds up that canyon yes. straight up to like, I think it, you go from eight to like 13,000 feet and yeah. then back down it's to pretty, eight. Yeah. And I was so, so sick. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. yeah there were a lot. 
Man, we did that right after. Weird. We must have left. Well, I think right after the the conference was over, me and another friend went and we did one more, like two more days in the Salta region. Okay. That was it. Mm -hmm. We did some wineries there too, because you've Mm -hmm. got beautiful wineries there. amazing. Um, And we did the the rainbow, the desert rainbow hills. Okay. We did a few different things there. And can't even remember but beautiful landscapes and then we hopped on the bus so we okay. might have been like three right days behind. behind you mm-hmm. yeah oh that's crazy and then how long were you in Atacama three days and I would I'm glad you put that on here because San San Pedro de Atacama is that place blew my mind talk about yeah. not having expectations like I actually was just going there because I could catch a flight from from Calama which is close by to Santiago to Patagonia, which is, I was about to lead my group trip. This was in 2017. So I was basically just going for the airport and thinking, okay, well, we'll kill three days here and then we'll go, holy. You had never been there before? No. And I didn't even know what to expect. And I am telling you what, Sherry, that little town with its dirt streets, like took me back to like 18 year old Jackie traveling. Like it felt like my roots. It felt like where I started. And I, I immediately, I was like, this place is like, I love this place, like to tears already. Like I just, oh, and the stars, the Astro tour. Did you do it? I know I did that. Yes. Okay. I'll let you talk about this. This is your place. No, it was, (laughs) no, you have as much experience there as I do. I mean, it was my first time there too. Mm -hmm. I had heard about it and yeah, I mean the star watching the flamingos. Did you go out Mm -hmm. and see the flamingos in the, in the lake? No, um, I have seen oh. flamingos all over Chile, though. And we did oh, go to Mars. We went sandboarding. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't go sandboarding. I wanted to, but we ran down sand dunes. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Which man. is, you know. It's the best the next, sandboarding the I've ever. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, so in fact, good. the picture that I have on here mm-hmm. was the hike that we were doing in Atacama. Okay. We hiked this ridge and then we ran down these sand dunes, oh, which is probably so where fun. you might have sandboarded down them. It, it was, was gorgeous. I can't remember what it was. There was Moon Valley, and then there was there was Valle de la Muerte. Was it Death Valley? Yes, that's yeah. what this picture is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's where we were too. Then. Yeah. Super oh fun. man, you guys uh, go to Northern Chile. Go to this place. It is so cool, and this is a great time to go. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and. You know, and I put both Argentina and Chile because you've got, I mean, San Pedro mm-hmm. is kind of a back, backpacker town, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And it's gorgeous. And it's great. It's so cool for it. that. It's charming. It's like, mm-hmm. I loved it for that. Oh, felt like And then home. if you want to get, if you want to get even more remote, then I'd say Northern Argentina, where we went in Salta, mm-hmm. it was, this was like, before the backpacker town get there. I mean, it was just as beautiful as the Atacama desert without a doubt, but um, it was, it was still the miners were there. In fact, the town that we stopped in and stayed had one like hostel Mm -hmm. and we ended up having to stay. There was one restaurant in the whole little mining village and they had rooms in the back of the restaurant, like just bedrooms that we stayed in. I mean, it was, this was pre-backpacker time. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. Wow. And, so, and it was, so that I thought was really cool. Um, you know, a, when you can 
you really feel like an explorer there because you are discovering it. Yep. So that's a good way to, yeah. And I, I feel like that might be a good way to do that trip is like start, if you start on the Chilean side even, and then go into the Argentina side, because if you end near Salta, it's, it's like, it is similar. I mean, it's, it's wine region. There's a whole wine region there, which is fabulous. And you can go to these haciendas and stay They're like bed and breakfast with vineyards and yeah. So you can pamper yourself a little bit at the end if you if you aren't so into that the- is, I think <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but, I think just experiencing that bus ride, like you said, oh. is incredible. It is a day. It is a full day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> um, bring your ginger tabs and C bands, people. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and like drink water and. You know yeah. what didn't help, Sherry, is that it was closing night the night before. <laughs> well, of course. I know that. <laughs> Which is why we didn't turn around and get on that bus the day after the At concert. 7 a.m.? What? <laughs> I learned. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> learned. Oh, all right, let's move on. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, did you have any other place for November? Uh, okay, November. Man. Um, I'm really glad you said Northern Northern Chile. I, I'm just going to second you on that one and, okay. and we'll, yeah, we'll move on. I love it. Okay. <laughs> oh, December. I am finally mm. getting us over to Asia mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, or like traditional Asia. So my December epic trip is actually Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And it's what makes it epic is most people don't know this, but you can actually run a 5k, 10k or half marathon through Anchor Watt. That's super cool. Super cool. I know. I might have to do that. I mean, you would be, you would love it. Have you been to Anchor Watt? I have. Okay. So you know how crazy it can be. Yep. Um, well, and I mean, a race is also crazy, but it's just, there's something beautiful about like taking off at a race at five in the morning and yes. running through these temples. And that's mm-hmm. what you do. You're like running through the temples. <sighs> and and, you know, I hadn't done many races uh, in foreign countries like that. But the other beautiful thing about it was, um, you know, it was all the locals that were like handing out water. And it was just this, mm-hmm. you know, it was all these little Cambodian kids, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. handing out water and cheering you on and or just like looking at you like, who are these people and what are they doing? Um, it was just, it was a really neat race um and it's a good reason if you've never gone to Angkor Wat to go to Angkor Wat uh of course the race is just one morning and then you can spend the rest of the time actually you know we did the race we drank beer and then cleaned up and went and actually you know visited the temples more properly and you don't run through all the temples as you know the temple complexes are huge there's a whole bunch of different ones Mm -hmm. so this covers though a couple of them okay um i actually ran the did i run the 10k or 5k i can't remember but my sister ran the half marathon um so yeah it's just it's a it's a very unique way to see a very uh famous and classic yeah you're very much speaking my language here I love yeah. using running too, or I mean, I guess hiking as well, but like something like this, it's yeah. just, it's so intriguing. It's so like, you feel like you're part of something and, um, yeah. 
and there's locals running too. And people Mm -hmm. from all over Asia are coming. Like I learned about it because I mean, I used to live in Vietnam. So Mm -hmm. I did this when I lived in Vietnam, I just came over and ran it. But you know, I had friends and stuff in Singapore and all over and people in Vietnam and Singapore were training for it and they were going there. So it was, you know, you've Mm -hmm. got kind of like all of Asia, you know, also kind of coming in. So it's just such a different feel to it. Yeah. Um, Very cool. It's really neat. Now it's hot in Angkor Wat. It's hot in Cambodia, but Mm -hmm. December is one of the better months. Um, But you still, this has started really early to try to beat the heat. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course, uh, uh, Siem Reap is there's tons of stuff to do and see there. It's beautiful. From there, I actually went down to Phnom Penh and did some stuff too, or you can go up to Laos or whatever. But it this is a cool, um, cool way, cool reason to get over there if you like to do racing or, or even you know, you can walk the 5k if you want. It's easy enough, yeah. So, and there's no hills, right? It's pretty flat, right? So. And then <laughs> And then stay, like, make sure you have a few days there. I would say even just for the temples, because it's so, it's so, what's the word? Vast is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, the the one you see, like, the one that you have here in the, the, in the picture, that's the one everybody knows. But the, the temple complex is, is massive. And when you buy a ticket, you get like, usually you get, a couple of days or a few days to go through it. And so you you could take all that time. And yeah. I guarantee this is the cheapest epic you have on this whole guide. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. Cambodia <laughs> is Good. deliciously cheap still. Affordable. Yeah. Affordable, I should probably say. Probably that in the Camino de Santiago. But this is probably okay. cheaper because yeah. So, yeah. Good one. I like this one. Yeah. I would love to go back and run it again. It was really fun. I'll go with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, We're still filling up our year next year. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, December, United States. So this one I chose a classic because it is near and dear to my heart. I used to live there. It's mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. And having lived there for three years in the city, to me, my favorite time of year in New York was always December okay. because there is such a holiday spirit there that is that kind of takes over the city. It's, it, it changes the city. It kind of softens the city a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's, it's fun. There's mm-hmm. so much to do. Um, obviously, you know, like you've got all the main things that you can go and see, uh, the Rockefeller Center, the shows, the Rockettes, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's just a nice time. It's not so hot, obviously. It's a nice time to get around the city and do a Broadway show, do a food tour, mm-hmm. do Chinatown, whatever. Um, I for me, being a local there, like I said, it was always my favorite time. And it's the time when I told people to come visit. Now, it can also be very busy because of those things. So this is probably out of anything in the book, a place where I'm sending you that is the most normal and probably the most crowded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. if you've never been to New York in, in you know, December and holiday season, it's worth it. So cool. I had okay. to throw that in. Mm-hmm. And then my last plays is by international and it's really kind of I guess I it's hard to call it a festival but it's it's definitely international it is back to Catalonia Spain for December Mm -hmm. and I put this down (laughs) have you heard of this I don't know if you've heard of this 
the I Cagatillo? I don't think so. But that is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> Name? It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> so in Catalonia, so that whole region. <laughs> okay, it is what Santa I, I'm like, I had to read ahead to see if it was what I was thinking. Yes. And it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, because, oh, yeah, because it's, uh, well, it's probably Catalan. What does it stand for? Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's a, a bad off. word. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uncle. Tio is uncle, and then <laughs> yes. but caga, cagar is to to yeah to poop basically. Poop. Yeah. So, so I'm like, uh, you got the idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what makes this so fun is uh, it's just a crazy cultural thing. So like I said, in Catalonia, they do not have a Santa Claus. They do not. Santa Claus is not showing up and delivering presents <laughs> to the kids. Mm-hmm. The kids there have something better. It's it's a it's a log that they call cagatillo, uh, which you could say much better. But anyway, and it's like the picture. It is an actual log. They put some little legs on it. They put a little face on the end, and they give it the famous Catalan red hat that is traditional in that region. And that is what goes under the Christmas tree. And um, they put a little blanket on it. And basically, they, throughout the month of December, I believe, they feed the cagatillo, like, nuts and, <laughs> and candies and stuff like that. Basically, the kids leave the candies out by the log at night, and then the candies disappear. Um, and then on Christmas, they, they feed them the candies and the nuts, and then they wake up the next morning, and <laughs> this is where it gets really weird. Yeah. <laughs> they... They have a tradition where they beat the cagatillo with a stick. <laughs> they literally bang on the log and they sing a traditional song, which basically is all about asking the, telling the cagatillo that they've been good and they wish for it to poop presents. <laughs> this is and so weird. They, the song, they pull up the little blanket and all of the presents are behind it and Basically, the cagatillo has pooped presents. That's so cute. Instead of coal. If they've been bad, the yeah. cagatillo is coal. Aww. So. <laughs> it's a, this a cute little cagatillo that you have on your <laughs> picture. So it funny. Is, it's awesome. It's just, and so if you go to Catalonia, anywhere in Catalonia, which is also Bar- Barcelona, um, in December, you will see uh, you will see cagatillos all over being sold like you would Christmas trees. Um, you will learn about it. You could, I like, I desperately want to pick up my own cagatillo one year. <laughs> Do it. Um, and this is the tradition. And, you know, I learned about, I, I can't tell you how many times I had been in Catalonia before I learned about this. And then I was just like, no way, mm-hmm. no way happen and I researched it all and yes it does and now all my friends from Catalonia send me videos of their kids at Christmas time beating <laughs> um, the so, poop yeah. out of their <laughs> their, their cagatillo <laughs> their log so oh. it presents okay. um, but you know the Catalans have a very funny uh, uh, what do I want to say history with pooping objects because have you heard of the um, oh what's it called the cagane there. No, I don't think so. A part of their Christmas festival. Oh Cogganets, you've seen them. It's normally, it started with 
a traditional Catalan person wearing the traditional red hat and the little outfit sitting on a toilet, basically. And it was a little figurine. And the tradition there is they put a cagane in the nativity scene in their home. And the kids, the, the fun is the kids have to find the cagane in the nativity scene. And oh. it moves around. The month. Oh, funny. And that oh. all comes from this idea of pooping and, and fertility, like in the fields, that, that that's a good thing yeah. to have manure in the fields. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of history behind it. It's really interesting. Wow. But now they, Barcelona, if you've ever seen walking through stores in Barcelona, you'll see Caganes, but they, lots of them now have been kind of touristed and they, they put famous people on the Caganes. Oh. So you'll find Angela Merkel, you'll find Trump, you'll find Beatles on a, on a toilet. And yeah, a little oh, bit of everything. Man. It's awesome. I went to a, in a factory and we, we painted our own and we oh. learned how they were made and the history of it. It's really, it's neat. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. That's a new one. That's unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a yeah. unique in the world. <laughs> awesome. Um, before we, before we get away from December, I'm going to add yeah. one more, maybe two more. Um, I can't do December without mentioning Germany, like almost anywhere because, but specifically I'm going to say Munich because the Christmas market tradition in Germany is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Um, and then another place that actually comes to mind when talking about Christmas markets is Vienna. Uh, but Munich is my favorite one. It's the whole downtown of Munich. It's like one giant cozy cabin. Um, uh. And it's a really fabulous time to go there because it's not as touristy, you know, I mean, really the, the touristy time is Oktoberfest, but um, the Christmas market is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's delicious. There's all this fun food that's like steeped in tradition that you've got to ask people about like what these things mean as you're, as you're ordering them, you know, cause there's a, there's a reason for everything there. Um, and you can drink Glühwein in the streets and it's just, it's really cozy like Munich's is like when I think of Munich's Christmas market I think of like wooden coziness when I oh. think of Vienna it's the opposite it's like grander and like it's like white <laughs> white lights and like you know um Perfection. So, yeah exactly so uh but that's also a really cool place to go around Christmas time is Vienna um but the other one I'm gonna say is Zurich at New Year's because oh. there's a New Year's marathon that happens at midnight in Zurich. Ah. In, so we're in Switzerland again. Um, that they do a, there's a 10K option, I think a half and a full marathon. And basically what it is, is one 10K loop that you can either run once, twice, or four times. And yeah. it starts <laughs> at midnight at the new year at the turn of the new year. And it is so cool. My brother and I did this in the 15 turning to 16 um, year. So like four or five years ago. Wow. Yeah. We, um, he came and visited me while I was all over the place and we went to Zurich and we made ourselves stay up and we traveled out to this because it's like outside of the city a little bit. We oh. took the train out there and it was headquartered in this gym. Like it was really cool the way it was set up because the finish and start line and like lap line was inside of a gym that had 
doors on either end. So you just like run out of it and then eventually you come right back into it, you know? And the whole time it was like a giant celebration. We just did the 10K so that it was, you know, as as short as possible. It was really cold. Like, I don't know, these people doing a marathon (laughs) at midnight, they're another breed. But it was it was very exciting. There were bells and fireworks going off the whole time. Everybody's running with their headlamps. Like it's pitch black, you know. It was such a cool experience. So if you're like your anchor watt thing made me think of that because cool. I think running running events in other countries that gets me going. I love that. Yeah, it's one of it's one yeah. of my things though. So, <laughs> so yeah, I guess but we can. Is, you can walk those too. I mean, the shorter ones. Oh, of ones course you like, could. I, you know, so for people who might not true think they can do the run, you can do the walk too. True. And that one, I do think the shortest distance is a 10K, which, but I mean, whatever, yeah. you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Or just come watch. <laughs> like, it's cool. But, and Zurich yeah. is a really cute little town um, just on the edge of Lake Zurich. And there's an inlet there. And like, it's just, yeah. It's the only time I've been to Zurich was for that, that New Year's race. I've so, never been there. I've been to Geneva, but not Zurich. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah. So I guess we could... We could end with the new year celebration, just like that. <laughs> what a whirlwind of like a world trip. It's amazing how many places you've been, Sherry. Oh, yeah. And I could, I could do like five of these books. Probably. I know. It's so cool. It's really fun to, to just jump around the world and like talk about all these fun things that are everywhere. Because I know that we all hear about the Eiffel Towers and like the same things over and over. And I, what I loved the most about this whole conversation is that everything we mentioned, just about everything we mentioned is off the beaten path. And that is where adventure thrives, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's how I love to travel. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, do you have any lasting thoughts about destinations or places or anything? Oh, wow. Um, there are things I left off of here that I do want to put on eventually, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. no, I just say, yeah, open yourself up to these lesser traveled places. I think you're right. It's where the magic happens mm-hmm. of travel to me, whether it's pushing yourself in new directions, seeing new things, but also is equally, most of these were as equally about meeting new cultures and mm-hmm. learning. Um, so it is, it's, it's magic when all those things come together. So yeah. hopefully if, you know, any of these things just start to pique your interest, take a look at the more detailed descriptions and the read it's, mm-hmm. um, and, obviously contact me and if you have any questions about any of it um it's been fun because i have had a lot of people reach out and ask questions and stuff like that so um i've enjoyed that it's been it's been a really fun process to put this out and you know on that note this is this is where sherry found the magic and i i like to say this too because a lot of times people will ask me specifics and i opt 
not to share a specific with them every now and then because I'll say, you know what? This is just, it's something Uh I stumbled upon. It's just where I happen to be because the adventure I chose took me there. Your adventure is going to take you somewhere else and trust the path because you don't have to have somebody who has gone there before you to tell you everything about it. Like, it's really nice that we can have guides and, but like, like Sherry said at the very beginning of this conversation, this is for inspiration, you know, and you guys can find like the world is big. You guys can find your adventure in every corner of this planet. It does not have to look like the person next to you or the person before you or the person after you. It's your own because you're going to find what's going to speak to you. And that's what's going to mean the most to you in the end anyway. Amen. Amen. Mic drop. (laughs) All right, we're done. (laughs) Download the guide at oddsworld.com. Sherry, thank you so much. This is so informative, inspiring, just fun, good energy. I've appreciated it so much. So... Yeah. Thank you for letting me go through the whole entire thing. No one has ever let me do that. I know. Well, I mean, (laughs) I'm good for that. (laughs) When you get your next set of ideas, you just call me up. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thanks again so much to Sherry from oddsworld.com for sharing all of her wonderful insight and knowledge about so many hidden gems across this incredible globe. If you want to share any thoughts or feedback about the last couple of episodes, you can hit us up on Instagram. You can find me at Traveling Jackie and Sherry is at Otsworld. Um, that concludes our dose of epic travel inspiration for the day. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. So again, the links are in the show notes for you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're all staying well and safe and healthy. And I will see you in the next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.